Rheumatoid Arthritis. Rheumatoid arthritis is a chronic systemic inflammatory disorder. The synovium is the target of the autoimmune process. You would suspect the disorder if there are three joint areas involved, involvement of the MCPJs or MTPJs, early morning stiffness lasting more than 30 minutes, and symmetrical joint involvement. The most common joints involved are the metacarpophalangeal joints, the proximal interphalangeal joints, wrists, knees, shoulders, metatarsophalangeal joints, ankles, cervical spine, and elbow. The distal interphalangeal joints are not involved in rheumatoid arthritis. In station five, you may be asked to assess a patient with joint pains. Spend about three minutes taking a focused history. Ask about timing. Was the onset sudden or gradual? When did it start? Is the pain intermittent or constant? Has it worsened, and if so, how quickly? Have there been any previous episodes? Identify the pattern of joint involvement. Which joints are affected? Are they unilateral or bilateral? In which order did they become affected? Are large or small joints affected? Ask about joint pain, swelling or stiffness in the morning. How long does this last for? Is there any associated redness, deformity or nodules? How has this affected the function of the joints? Ask about extra-articular features. Is there systemic upset such as fever, night sweats, weight loss, fatigue or lymph nodes? Do they have ray nodes? Are there any problems with the skin, nails or hair such as rashes, photosensitivity, hair loss or ulcers? Any problems with the eyes such as dryness, redness, pain or a change in vision? Ask a brief systems review to screen for cardiovascular, respiratory, gastrointestinal and neurological symptoms. Ask about past medical history and family history of joint disease, inflammatory bowel disease, psoriasis and other autoimmune conditions. Take a drugs history of treatments tried using NSAIDs and a brief social history including impact on life and any plans for pregnancy or previous problems with pregnancy. Next, spend about three minutes examining the patient in a look-feel-move structure. Assess the hands by placing them on a flat area, such as a pillow, to facilitate the examination. Start with the dorsum of the hand, looking for swellings of the MCP, PIP and wrist. Observe for redness, guttering of the interossi, deformities such as subluxation and ulnar deviation at the MCPJs, subluxation of the wrist, swan neck, boutonniers, and Z-thumb. Assess the nails for changes of psoriasis, infarcts, or vasculitis. Is the skin thin and bruised from steroid side effects? Are there any scars from carpal tunnel release, wrist arthrodesis, or tendon transfer? Any rashes or dactylitis suggestive of psoriatic arthritis? 
Assess the palm of the hand for palmar erythema, muscle wasting or scars. Assess the elbow for nodules, psoriatic plaques, gouty tophi, scars or bursitis. Palpate the MCPJs, PIPJs and the wrist for tenderness, swelling and temperature. Feel the pulse. If indicated, perform carpal tunnel test such as sensation, power, Tinell's and Phelan's tests. Feel over the elbows. Explain to the patient that you would like to assess some movements. Ask them to straighten their fingers fully. Ask them to do a prayer sign. Ask them to make a fist and hide their nails. Ask the patient to grip your fingers and squeeze. Assess pincer grip by saying, make an O and don't let me open it. Assess function, for example, by doing up a button, writing or picking up a coin or glass. Ask the patient to put both hands behind their head. Assess elbow and shoulder function, if time allows, as well as the lower limb joints. Complete your examination of the rest of the body. Look behind the ears and in the hairline and scalp for psoriasis. Look in the eyes for redness and conjunctival pallor. Listen to the breath sounds and to the heart sounds. Palpate the abdomen for splenomegaly. Look at the legs for rashes or ulcers such as pyoderma gangrenosum or vasculitis and perform a quick neurological assessment. If you identify psoriasis, Proceed as per the Ankylosing Spondylitis Examination. See the Station 5 podcast for Ankylosing Spondylitis by Dr. Sarah Kennedy. You will then need to ensure that you ask about ideas, concerns and expectations and explain your diagnosis and management to the patient. This should take approximately two minutes. The examiner will then ask a series of questions. An example of how to present your findings is as follows. This lady has a peripheral symmetrical deforming polyarthropathy with palmar erythema, small muscle wasting and distal interphalangeal sparing. There was no active synovitis. The presence of nodules suggests seropositive rheumatoid arthritis. Hand function was restricted by deformity and weakness. With regard to treatment, there was evidence of surgical scars and steroid usage. With regard to complications and extra-articular manifestations, there was no evidence of carpal tunnel, ocular, cardiovascular, pulmonary, gastrointestinal or neurological involvement. The examiner may ask if you are aware of a scoring system. One such criteria is the ACR-EULAR, which stands for the American College of Rheumatology and European League Against Rheumatism, 2010 criteria. A score of 6 out of 10 is used to identify patients with undifferentiated arthritis who are at risk of persistent or erosive disease. The full criteria can be reviewed on the Medical Education Leeds website. Your differential diagnoses would include HLA B27 spondyloarthritis, such as ankylosing spondylitis, psoriatic arthritis, reactive arthritis, or IBD-associated arthritis, 
or crystal arthritides such as gout and pseudogout, connective tissue disease such as lupus with Jacquard's arthropathy, osteoarthritis, viral causes, and fibromyalgia. There are multiple extra-articular features that you may be asked about. Systemic features include fever, lymph nodes, weight loss, and fatigue. Say you would exclude infection, cancer, and drug reactions. Skin changes include palmar erythema, nodules, vasculitis, ray nodes, and pyoderma gangrenosum. The patient may have ocular conditions such as episcleritis or scleritis, keratoconjunctivitis sicca, or scleromalacia perforans. There may be musculoskeletal complications such as osteoporosis. Cardiac complications include pericarditis and pericardial effusion, myocarditis, endocarditis, valve defects, accelerated ischemic heart disease, conductive problems, or heart failure. Respiratory complications include pleuritis, nodules, fibrosis, bronchiolitis obliterans, effusions, Kaplan syndrome, methotrexate pneumonitis, cryptogenic organising pneumonia, or nonspecific interstitial pneumonia. Gastrointestinal complications include splenomegaly. Neurological complications include peripheral neuropathy, mononeuritis multiplex, entrapment neuropathy, for example carpal tunnel, spinal cord compression, or atlantoaxial subluxation. Hematological complications include Felty syndrome, lymphoma, anemia, or thrombocytosis. Renal complications include glomerulonephritis, and other complications include amyloid. Rheumatoid nodules are present in 20-35% to 35% of cases. They are associated with rheumatoid factor positive severe disease. They can be seen on the extensor surfaces of the forearms and over joints. You may be asked about investigations. A full blood count may show anemia or increased platelets. Deranged renal function secondary to NSAID use or renal involvement. Liver function tests may show a low albumin. ESR or CRP may be raised. Rheumatoid factor is positive in 70-80% of patients with rheumatoid arthritis. However, it is not specific and can be positive in 5% of the normal population. Anti-CCP is positive in 60% and is more specific than rheumatoid factor. ANA is positive in 30% of cases, wherein ANCA is usually negative. It can be useful to check complement and immunoglobulins. Useful imaging includes X-ray, which can demonstrate periarticular osteopenia, symmetrical joint space loss, deformities, erosions, soft tissue swelling or nodules. Ultrasound or MR are further options. Synovial fluid may show an inflammatory raised white cell count, raised protein, low glucose, and may be culture negative without crystals. If renal signs or symptoms are present, consider a urine dipstick, urine PCR, a blood pressure check, and a renal ultrasound.
If indicated, consider cardiovascular investigations, such as ECG or echo, respiratory investigations such as oxygen saturations, arterial blood gas, chest x-ray, lung function tests, high-resolution CT, and gastrointestinal investigations, such as ultrasound, OGD, colonoscopy, or barium swallow. Management is multidisciplinary. Offer education and support. Aim to treat within three months of symptom onset. Usually, we would start with methotrexate and another disease-modifying anti-rheumatic drug, for example, sulfasalazine or hydroxychloroquine, and short-term prednisolone, or an intramuscular or intraarticular steroid, as well as NSAIDs. The target for treatment is low disease activity or remission. Remember to prescribe gastro and bone protection as well as analgesia. Consider cardiovascular risk, vaccines, and monitoring for side effects of treatments. Disease activity and function can be assessed using the DAS28 score and the HAQ score, respectively. Options for biologics include TNF-alpha inhibitors, abatacept, toxilizumab, and rituximab. These are given if disease is severe and there is no response to two DMARDs, including methotrexate. Finally, surgical management may include joint replacement, fusion, or tendon transfer. The content of this podcast was adapted from Dr. Sarah Kennedy's notes, which can be found on the Medical Education Leeds website. For full references and more information, please go to www.medicaleducationleads.com forward slash paces.